Amen. Well, why don't you find your seats and grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of Romans. We are going to be in Romans uh, chapter 12 tonight. I just have to ask, y'all have fun last week for Easter outside? Man, that was an amazing day, uh, and, and like we ended on a bang there, and uh, so far, the city was okay with us blowing the power, so uh, that was just kind of fun. We got to uh, end on a high note like that, but we were so glad to be able to be outside and celebrating our risen Savior together, and uh, now what we're going to do is kind of uh, turn the corner for the next month, really. Well, actually, uh, in just a couple of weeks, we're going to have Pastor Rich Scheip uh, come in to preach for us, and, and, and that's going to be a lot of fun, but it, it, we're going to take four weeks and we're going to start a new series all about our thinking. Every day you are being told how to think. Um, Research suggests uh, that Americans spend almost five and a half hours on our phones every day. Yikes, like when you say it like that, it sounds kind of bad. <laughs> like you probably don't want to check uh, your screen time app uh, right now. But I but, am um, told CNN uh, has, has put out some like uh, uh, data on this that not just phones between smartphones and tablets and video games and personal computers and devices and all that, TV, okay, the average American spends about 10 hours and 39 minutes of on-screen time every day. Like, that's a lot, is it not? I mean, you got a, you got a few hours in there where you're not on a screen. And, and I realize that some of you are like, you, you may be the exception to that. I realize that you might be below average. You're probably really careful with some of your screen time. But come on, let's be real. Be real. You are on a screen a lot. Yeah? Here's the deal. Everybody knows it. App developers know it, advertisers know it, Uh, news and media outlets know it, politicians know it, journalists know it, Uh, influencers know it, your friends on social media, man, your grandma knows it. You are not hard to find online. They know where to find you. And, and, and every day then, if you think about it, even beyond just the time that we spend on our screen, but, but every day you are being told how to think. You're being told uh, what's important and, and how you should spend your money. And you're, you're being told how to evaluate and view yourself and, and how you should look and how you should improve yourself and how you should uh, process world events and, and tragedies and current social issues that are going on. You're uh, being told who you should notice and who you should follow and, and what you should value and what you should celebrate and what you should stand for and what you should stream, what you should like, what you should share and all of this. There's just this constant competition for your attention and none of it is innocently neutral. Every voice, every message that that is uh, being communicated wants to tell you how to think. And it's because ideas have consequences. They lead to more clicks and more purchases. And they lead to actions and habits and votes and posts and movements and cultural values. It could be good. 
and also could be horribly destructive, right? So God has given you a brain, most of you. God has given you a brain to think and and to, to process and to understand the world around you and how you should respond. And think about this. How you think and what you think about has a direct impact on how you feel and what you do. Because your thinking impacts and governs your emotions and your actions, how you live. So how important are your thoughts? Just think, think about the way that your, your thinking has actually helped to determine your responses to your circumstances lately. Whatever the things that you've been dealing with uh, uh, just recently, maybe, maybe uh, your, your thinking has probably uh, impacted how you've reacted to your spouse or to your parents or to your roommates when they didn't treat you in a way that you thought you deserved. Or it impacts your emotional response to the disappointments and frustrations and, and hurts and anxieties and, and stresses in your life because of what you let your mind dwell on. And it also impacts uh, like uh, when you said the first thing that came into your mind. Or we say that, that you gave them a piece of your mind, right? Or the goals that you set, the, the, the decisions that you've made lately when you uh, asked for some advice and you listened to some, th- but, but then you thought about it for a while and you set some of these things. Or, or even the incredible capacity, I thought about this, the, 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 the ability that your mind has to like review your entire schedule for the day in about two and a half seconds to determine whether you have enough time uh, to hit snooze and be able to catch a, a few extra minutes of sleep in the morning, right? Like the ability to think through and determine uh, all of my actions and my reactions and my responses. Like so much is happening here and our, our thinking is impacting a lot of that. Not only has your thinking been impacting the stuff that you've been dealing with lately, but your thinking is going to help determine what you choose to do tomorrow. That if you are going to be honest at work or school, if you're going to do your best, or, or uh, if you're, how you're going to treat your family, or what you're going to say, or what you're going to watch, or how much time you're going to spend on something, or how much time you're going to waste on something, or, or even uh, you're, you're, you're going to choose to think and believe what you choose to think and believe based on the, the, the questions and the uncertainties of the future. So here's the deal. If your thinking is that important, how important is it to make sure and be intentional about what's actually shaping your thinking? Okay? This is why we're going to spend uh, the next month, really, going through this series on transforming your thinking. Because uh, your, your thinking is being shaped by all of the influences around you. And one of the things that's been concerning to me is to see way too many believers that are getting hijacked by worldly thinking. And then, not only that, but if I know some of us have like our filter up and we're doing our best to be discerning and we're trying not to just be influenced by the culture. And yet, we just have to admit that... that God still has a lot of work left to do in the process of sanctification in us. 
And part of that is in our minds. Because before we came to Christ, our sinful hearts, now this is where our theology starts to impact the way we think about our thinking. Our our sinful hearts before Christ disrupted the capacity of our minds to think rightly. Romans chapter 3, he said, none is righteous. No, not one. And he said this, no one understands. No one seeks for God. Ephesians 4, he says, we were darkened in our understanding. It's not that when we were unbelievers, it's not that unbelievers can't use their brains. They can't. An incredible capacity. But, but the sin has so marred our ability to really understand that God has to do this miraculous work where he has to give us uh, eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts and minds to be able to understand. God had to do that work in order for you to really use your brain in the way that he intended it, okay? Now, God has done that in most of you who are believers. I get that. But he's not done yet. This is a process of sanctification where he is gradually making us more and more like Jesus Christ until we reach glory. So if we think about that, we've got, we've, we've got two things going on here. Our, our minds are not yet fully sanctified. Like we still have remnants of the flesh and fleshly thinking. And not only that, but we're also swimming in the sea of lies and distortions of the truth that are seeking to influence how we think and what we think about. And so because of those realities, I just got to say, man, we need to make sure that our thinking is being transformed. So look at Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at one verse tonight. And all God's people said, there it is. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is what we're going to be looking at. If you've got your Bibles, follow along with me in verse 2. Here's what he says. Do not be conformed to this world. Here's our word. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So there's a call here to be transformed, not conformed, which reminds us that we're in danger all the time of being conformed to the world and just assimilated into society where we really start copying them and just becoming like them. We, we, we look like them, sound like them, think like them, act like everybody else in our ungodly culture. But we know as believers, we are not called to be worldly, we're called to be godly. So, so how do we avoid this? How do we make sure that we're not just becoming conformed and becoming like everybody else in this ungodly culture? How do, how do we do that? Well look, at, well, look at what the text says. We're not supposed to be conformed, but we're to be transformed. That's the, the main uh, verb in this text, in this verse, okay? The main verb, it, it has this idea basically of just being changed. But, but this verb uh, is an imperative, We've we, we got to go back to grammar school, okay? An imperative means a command. But, but here's how this, this command works. This is not an active command. This is a passive command. An active command is something done by you, like you do this. But a passive command is something that is done to you, like you're the recipient of the action. So, so maybe another way we would uh, translate that and, and, and smooth that out so that we really understand the emphasis and what's happening here is we'd say, allow yourself to be transformed. Now, why, 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 why is this passive? Well, it's passive because we're not the ones doing the transforming. Who's doing that? 
Yeah, God is the one who is doing this work. He is transforming us. He is changing us so that we will live differently. Now, how does he do this? The text answers it. You're supposed to be transformed, how? By, do you see it? The renewal of your mind. That's the process of the Spirit of God using the Word of God. And, and, and shorthand, we might just say it this way, that, that you're, he's enabling us to think biblically. Because he's going to use the Word of God, and the Spirit of God is going to, uh, we're going to talk how this works together, but, but, but the Spirit of God is using his Word. He's enabling us to think biblically. So you are transformed by thinking biblically. But what's the, what's the purpose? What's the result of thinking biblically? Keep looking. Here's what he says. We're transformed by the renewal of your mind that, that's a preposition of purpose, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. So you get that discernment of God's will by ordering your thinking according to God's word, which then leads to different actions and a changed life. So, so when God changes your thinking, there's going to be a change in the way that you live and the way that you act and react because you will recognize his will for your life, how he wants you to live, how he wants you to act, and how he wants you to react in any and all circumstances. You get that? So if I could restate that, I'm going to give it to you in a big idea. Can, can I give a big idea? This is like we're trying to just summarize what is it we're really trying to understand here. Here's, here's how I would say it. When you think biblically, you will live differently because you will be able to discern rightly what God wants for you. Got that? When, when, when you think biblically, you'll live differently because you'll be able to discern rightly what God wants for you. Now, I'm going to break that down. I want to break that down into three action steps, and we're actually going to put them uh, in, in the order in which we follow them. In the, uh, uh, and, and hopefully this will make some logical sense here. But here's, let's just break it down. Here's the first one. The first action step is that we would think biblically. Think biblically. Okay, he says, verse 2, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Allow God to reestablish, to reorder, to reprogram your thinking. We've already said that God does this work in you through his spirit and his word. Working in tandem, his spirit using the word of God. That he's revealed himself in the Bible and how we should live. Man, this is why, I mean, this is why we're Fairfax Bible Church, right? Like, we want to get into the word of God. We know you don't need a message from a man. You need a message from the Lord. We need to open up the book and we're constantly asking, what does God say to me? What does God want for me? I want to be obedient to this. I, 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 I saw this. This, while I was reading this week, I wanted to share this with you. This, I ran across uh, this, this verse in Jeremiah chapter 6 that I really think kind of captures this vividly for us. He says, uh, Jeremiah 6, I've got it for you on the screen. He says, stand by the roads. Okay, remember this is kind of poetic, so we're having to like imagine this is happening. Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. So, so we got to imagine, like, there's a guy who's trying to get directions. And, and, and in our context, we're probably going to just have to imagine that, like, he dropped his phone and broke it or something. I don't, like, he's not getting signal. I don't know. So he, like, the GPS isn't working. And so here he is. He's standing. And there's a lot of roads. There's a lot of options. And it really does matter which road you take. You want to know which way you're going. 
What do you do? God says to us, go, go check it out. You see all these roads? Now, now what do we do? Ask for the ancient paths. Don't blaze your own trail. You, you don't need the new roads, new ideas, worldly wisdom. It's probably not the way that everybody else is going. It's the old paths. It's the ancient paths. It means it's tried and it's true. It, it might be hard to find, so you're going to have to ask for it. Or get into the word of God. There's, but, but I love what he says. When, when you're walking in that path, the ancient path, you find rest for your souls. It is so good. It's so good. Now, I don't have this for you on the screen, but we know where to find it. We know where the ancient path is. Psalm 119, 105. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The way to know which way to go is to constantly be asking, what does God's word say? What does God's word say? And, and let's be real. Of course, uh, when, when, when we open up God's word, he's, he, he gives us commands and he gives us wisdom for how to live. But it's, it's not just this list of do's and don'ts. The, the, the Bible is not just like this instruction manual that, that is, is categorized specific directions for every scenario that you might encounter. Like you might have noticed as you're looking in there, you're like looking for the table of contents and like where's the chapter on parenting? Or where's the, like that's, it's not organized that way. Because what God's word does instead, he's revealing the wisdom of God in the glory of Jesus Christ. You get this? God's word is revealing himself to us. And it points us to Jesus. Check that. John chapter 5. Got this for you on the screen. Here's what Jesus says. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, the scriptures, bear witness about who? About Christ. You get that? Every time you open up the pages of Scripture, all of it is pointing to Christ. So when you read the, the Scriptures, when you're opening up your Bible in the morning to spend some time with the Lord, you, you start reading. What you're seeing is the glory of Jesus Christ on display. You get to behold His glory in God's Word. Now watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, and it says this, And we all, with unveiled face, Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. In the Bible, we behold the glory of Jesus Christ. And so thinking biblically means that by the power of the Spirit, we see Jesus for who he is. And we begin to treasure him and delight in him and desire him. And he starts to transform us to be like him. So then my mind gets reprogrammed to know and delight in Christ. I've got, I've got new desires now. Like I want to I follow him in obedience because we love him. But this only happens when you, he said, Jesus said, search the scriptures. Man, until you get into the book, you're going to keep getting hijacked by worldly thinking. And you've got to know it doesn't end well. So the Bible is not like any other book, okay? 
It doesn't belong on, on the rest, like with, with other books that you have on your shelf that are just like this self-help, self-improvement message. Like this just has some advice for you. There's something else that's going on here. In God's word, he shows you why any other way won't work. And then he shows you how messed up we are and why we're so messed up. And then he shows you what Jesus has done to save us and, and what he's doing in us now to renew us and empower us to live like him. And then he reveals to us how he's going to finish the job that he started and one day he's going to restore all things. And then why God working for and showing off his glory really is the greatest thing we could ever want. And so thinking biblically means I'm, it reorders my worldview. So I start to realize like everything doesn't revolve around me. It is all for and to the glory of this great and awesome God. Are you seeing that when you get up in the morning? And you open up your Bible to read? Are you seeing that? Man, I, I think I, I, if I could just state the obvious, in order to think biblically, we have to be reading our Bibles. Uh, when I was a kid, my mom... Uh, my mom and dad gave me a Bible, and it was one of those, like, uh, kids' Bi I think it was, like, the NIV Adventure Study Bible or something fun like that. I don't know. Had a, had a lot of pictures, and it was cool. Uh, but, but I remember on the inside cover, my mom wrote this phrase to me. She said, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. I just, man, I've been praying for you so much. That the spirit of God in this season would help you grow spiritually. That he would help you deepen your trust and your relationship with Jesus. That you would know that he's better than anything this world has to offer. That you would long for him. You would live like him. That there would be some transformation in the way that you're living at work. That you'd be living sent. There'd be transformation in the way that you're interacting with the people in your, in your household. God, none, of, none of that's going to happen if we're not getting into the book. Don't let sin keep you from this. Honestly, I want, to, I want to read these words to you. I don't have them on the screen, but I want, I want you to feel this, that, that we would get to this place where we just love God's word. Psalm 19, I don't know if you've ever read this section, but it speaks to what God's word does in our hearts when we begin to treasure Christ because we're seeing his glory in the words. David says here, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Man, do we, do we love God's word like that? Do we treasure it? Like this, this is better than gold. What a sweet thing we get, to, we get to get up tomorrow morning and get back into God's word again. Let him show us the glory of Christ on the pages of Scripture. So, so thinking biblically then leads to our, our section, second action step uh, in this process. First, we've got to think biblically. But second, then we discern rightly. We discern rightly. Now watch this. He says, I want you to be transformed by the renewal, renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is 
The will of God. Come on. Who doesn't want to know the will of God? We all want to know the will of God, right? Like so, so I think this is important for us to recognize, though. There, there's really two uh, ways for us to understand God's will. Maybe two aspects of his will. The first is God's sovereign will, which we might call his plan. And the second is God's revealed will. We could kind of call that his commands. Okay? Now, normally, uh, we, we ask all our questions about the plan, like his sovereign will. Because like, we know that God's in control. Nothing uh, happens outside of his sovereign plan. Nothing ever takes God by surprise. He's never like, whoa, didn't see that one coming. I don't really know. what. Like, he knows what he's doing, and, and, and he is sovereign, and he's ruling over everything that he's made with purpose, and everything he does is good. And, and, and so, man, a lot of times we just want to know, okay, like, what's the plan? Like we talked about it last week, we just can you send me that email? That would be great if you could just lay it all out for me. I just want to know what, what, what's going to happen. What do you want for me? And, and we think about the, the big questions of our future when we're thinking about God's will. And, and, and I, that's, that's part of it. But I think the concern here is less about God's sovereign plan. And when he says, I want you to, you, you'll be able to test and discern what is the will of God, I think he has a more focus on God's revealed will, God's commands and how he wants us to live. So what he's talking about is the, the everyday little mundane decisions that we make in order to please the Lord and to live for him. Lord, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to live for you? And, 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 it's, and it's questioning what, 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 is, what is good and, and acceptable? What is, what is perfect? Should I watch this? Should I listen to that? Should I look at this? Should, should, I, uh, should I go here? Should I do this? Should I say that? Should I spend my time on this? We're, we're, we're asking, God, what do you want from me today? I want to I be obedient to you. Every, all the little things, God, I want to be obedient to you in these things. And can I tell you, God is not trying to hide from you his will. God is not trying to hide his will from us. But there's not always a chapter and verse that spells that out for every scenario that we might find ourselves in. Like, he doesn't specifically tell us in the Bible whether you should eat that chocolate chip cookie for lunch. Or, or like, what to say when you're having that difficult conversation on the phone. Or if it's okay to stay up and watch another episode of your favorite TV show or whether that's really an appropriate TV show for you to be watching in the first place, or how you should spend your weekend. See, so many times, we have to make a judgment call on what is God's good and acceptable and perfect will for us. And he's saying we do this by, by testing, that, that you might discern that idea has to, that we examine it, we test it, we prove it. We're able to say, yes, this is what God wants, but we don't just determine that by some gut instinct. We think but we think with a renewed mind. It means that our mind has been saturated by the gospel and God's grace to us. And, and, and we've been reprogrammed to see and now desire his glory. So we're still asking the question, what does God's word say? But, but it doesn't always have that chapter and verse and just spell it out for us specifically. But we're asking, what have I learned? What do I know about the Lord? What does he want? What is pleasing? What is good? What is acceptable? What is, what is perfect here? I want to please the Lord in this. I want to be glorifying him. And sometimes you're going to get to the point where you're like, I'm trying to make a decision here, and I, God, I want to, I want to, I 
I want to discern what it is that you want for me today, right now, in this, in this circumstance, in this scenario that I find myself in. And maybe I'm not, it's not clear to me. Well, remember, the way that God is transforming and renewing our mind is by his word, but it's his spirit that's using it. So it's okay to pray. It's okay for us in those moments to just say, Lord, I need your help. Help me to set my mind. In Romans 8, he says we would set our minds on the things of the spirit. Because a mind that is set on the spirit has his glory as its goal. If you're making it your goal, I love, I love how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I love, I think it's awesome that he just gives us these, these like mundane things. You ever thought about that? That you could eat to the glory of God? Like we sit down and eat how many times a day? It's supposed to be three. That was the correct answer. <laughs> but we could do all of these things. I could do everything that God has asked me to do today. I could do this for the glory of God. But I'm learning to discern rightly the things that will bring him glory. And that leads us to our third action step. So we're thinking biblically, but thinking biblically then helps you discern rightly, and it's so that you will live differently. You see that? So he says we're to to be transformed, not conformed. I hope you know that you don't really have to try very hard to be conformed to uh, the world. It just comes naturally. Jesus actually said that the, the, the road, the, the way is easy that leads to destruction. All you really have to do is neglect your Bible, sleep in, spend a lot of time on your phone and consuming social media and, and, and news and games and, and shows and just you know, going about your life like everybody else does. And what happens is we end up living on the feelings train. Have I ever showed you the feelings train? I need to, I need to show you the feelings train. Okay, so here, here's, here's what normally happens. We, 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 we let the feelings drive the train. You see that? The engine becomes how I feel in the moment. And this just comes so naturally, we don't even, don't think about it. We literally don't think about it. It's like whatever I'm feeling in this moment and then I act based on how I feel. And I might be feeling upset or I might be feeling angry or I might be feeling bitter or, 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 or I'm feeling envious or I'm feeling kind of anxious and, and, and stressed or I'm feeling fearful or I'm, I'm, I'm feeling depressed or, or, or discouraged. And then we act on our feelings and we think about it later and we kind of end up usually realizing like, well, that, was, that didn't go so well. That was a train wreck. I think what, what, what Paul's trying to help us understand here is it's time to get off the feelings train. It's time to get off the feelings train and get back into the Word so that we would reverse it. We would reverse it where we begin to think. I'm thinking first so that I can discern rightly what God wants for me, what is pleasing, what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect. I want to do something that's going to bring glory to Christ, and then I act based on what you know God wants for you. I'm telling you, you're going to feel a whole lot better in the end. What, what, did, what did he say? Go to the roads and look. 
and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. You see how important our thinking is? See, I think being transformed means that you're going to start speaking to your wife differently. You're going to treat your husband differently. You're going to react to your kids differently. It means that you're going to spend and invest your money and your time and your resources differently. It means that you're going to filter your media choices differently. It means that you're going to react differently to the everyday frustrations and the disappointments and when life's coming at you. You are going to live differently because the Spirit of God is using the Word of God to reprogram your mind to think about everything that you do in light of His glory. God, I pray that you would do this work in us. We just need this. There's so much coming at us. We, we do. Like, we just confess we spend so much time on our devices. There's so many messages, so many people and, and, and things trying to tell us how to think. And God, beyond that, we're still, you're still not done with the work of, of cleaning up our lives and reordering and reprogramming our brains and our minds and our thinking processes so that they really are fully sanctified. We're not there yet. So God, we just confess we need you to transform our thinking. I'm praying that we would just start here with the book. We get to do that tomorrow morning. Would we get up, open up the pages of scripture knowing, Lord, show us. Show us your glory. Reveal to us the person of Jesus Christ in the pages of scriptures that, that we would know you, that we would love you. And because we love you, we want to be obedient to you. God, would you transform our actions because you're transforming our thinking. It's in Jesus' name we